0: Hello everyone and welcome back. I hope you're having a fine day today. I hope you're excited. Um, I think I say that every week, but I certainly find myself just constantly excited by what we're doing here today. We'll get some of the sort of mechanical stuff out of the way. Uh, First of all, I changed the name of my character, uh, not the pronunciation, just the spelling because I liked the way that chat was spelling it better. And then, uh, if y'all would like to jump in on character sheets and any of the other information, which I admit there's not a lot of other information in there right now for campaign two, but you can use the bit.ly link for, uh, the lore keepers tome. That'll allow you to keep track of the character sheets. Um, I've officially selected my, uh, Third asset, which is going to be improviser, um, you know, just just a sort of like practical thinking on my feet. Now, for anyone who is wondering what today is all about, let me tell you. Side cannons. <laughs> Welcome back to Side Cannons, folks. This is the tabletop RPG wing of Sidecar Stories, and today we are playing our second campaign. Uh, We played a year-long campaign called Residus Arena where we followed a trio of arena fighters in their day-to-day lives, just trying to make it in the big world of show business. Now, after an additional year of world-building in the realms of Residus, we are back in the realms with our second campaign. I wanted to focus in a little bit more for this second one, and we find ourselves now in Campaign 2 Night School at Vesperal Academy. Now, what does all that mean? Well, we don't know yet, frankly. Um, Many of you who have been following the Spout Lore streams, you will know what that's all about. But if you're just here for the episodes themselves, well, maybe you're not going to be quite sure yet. And... Maybe that's a fun way to go into it. Um, I don't intend to spoil it today necessarily. Um, I may do so. I may do some spoiler stuff after the session, but I'm gonna try not to do any spoiler things before the session. Um, instead, I will simply offer all of you uh, a tiny recap of the world. The realms of Residus are a massive and unending frontier, and at the very center of it is the heart of civilization. As a matter of fact, it is the only city in all the realms of Residus, simply called the Towers, or Residus Towers. The Towers are a massive, sprawling, magical metropolis um, at the center of everything, and it's said that no other city could stand. There are villages, there are little towns, even the occasional fort or castle. But no true cities exist outside of the One. Now, it is at the center of civilization, and considered sort of the blazing bonfire of civilization, but there are embers spat out nearby, and one of those embers is the town of Dongreet, where we find ourselves today. Dawn Greet is the, uh, the place where we had our last episode, and in this campaign, we are going to be focusing much more on a very specific place in this campaign. In the first campaign, we spent a lot of time just sort of city hopping. We would, we would bound between districts, um, and it was a lot of fun, and I would continue to do that if we went back to the towers. But right now, we're in the, the shallow frontier. We're not, We're not deep, deep out in the frontier. We're fairly close to civilization. There are other towns nearby. Um, We're on a trade route, as a matter of fact. This is one of the sort of outgoing towns uh, wherein expeditioners will sort of land here for a night or two um, in preparation for uh, heading out deeper into the frontier. But that's not why we're here. As a matter of fact, our characters, Illyria and Igor, uh, come from slightly different places. Illyria, the character that I be, I will be playing, is from a little deeper in the frontier, from the Oxbends up to the, the northeast of the towers, um, sort of off of our main map, coming down south looking for an adventure, having never seen the towers before and frankly still hasn't got caught up with a group called the Wild Stallions, kind of a frontier gang who does some work in the towers as well, but they have tasked Illyria with bringing a chest south. Illyria doesn't know what's in the chest, but is not excited about the prospect of betraying these people that they know to be pretty dangerous. Igor is also not necessarily from around here. Uh, Igor is from a different part of the Frontier, um, as a matter of fact, right on the border between Frontier and Towers. Igor is from a gate town, <clears throat> one of the large sort of towns that crops up, uh, on the ground level, not not uh, consisting of towers, but butted right up against the towers. Um, And this little gate town on the southern side of the towers is where Igor grew up and learned uh, some of his stealthy ways. Uh, But Igor also got looped in with the Wild Stallions. Um, And they brought him across uh, through the towers and then left him in this little town here. um, For unknown reasons, but for a known purpose, which is to case the joint. The Wild Stallions want Igor to get a good handle on what the little town of Dawngreet is like, in anticipation that their gang is going to be expanding here. In Chapter 1, the two of us, you and I, Illyria and Igor, uh, myself playing Illyria and chat playing the character Igor. The two of us are in town, just trying to do what we can to make it. We've managed to accumulate a few supplies, but we're spotted by the the people of the farm uh, at which our little friend was helping us. Um, the two of us, being uh, uh, just between children and teens ourselves, we flee, of course, because what else can we do? Uh, we run down through the the ruined uh, uh, the ruined neighborhood at the southern end of town. Um, This gray, ash spot at the southern corner, Um, we managed to evade our pursuers and head up through the populated neighborhood on the west side of Dawngreet, up toward the forest. Now, if we were to continue west, we would find a pretty inhospitable territory. If we head east, we're heading deeper out into the frontier, but if we head west, it's a contested land that Constantly uh, sees violence, and uh, the further we get that way, the more we hear about uh, silly rumors involving old castles taken over by Duskin. Duskin, for those of us who live in this world, we would be familiar with as uh, a blanket term for those people of the Dusk. The vampires, the ghosts, the lichen, werewolves, werebears, wereboars, all sorts of lichen. Those are mostly rumors, I'm sure. We continue our escape, leaving our supplies in a rain barrel and intending to come back later and not drawing too much suspicion to ourselves. But then something else suspicious happens. A group of hooded hunters walks into town. What do they want? It's unclear at first, but as the town guard comes to meet them a shape suddenly plummets out of the sky. Something large. Uh, something, oh, like a massive bat, almost. The hunters see it, the guards don't, and the hunters make ready to take aim and fire, and that is when Igor decides to get involved. Igor leaps out of his hiding place in the watchtower at the center of town, beginning a melee Uh, and causing the hunter's shot to miss. They are carrying these rune-covered weapons, um, and we're unsure precisely what they do, but uh, the guards and these hunters fight it out. Um, The guards do manage to fight the hunters back off into the western woods, but they're not able to capture any of the hunters. The hunters make it away unscathed. The same cannot be said for Igor and Illyria. The two of us are hurting, Very, very sore, but even though we know tonight's going to be a painful and hungry night, we know tomorrow we'll get some supplies. And we fall asleep in peace. And that's when, at the very end of our last episode, a chain etched with runes loops down underneath the wagon where we lay our heads and wraps around Igor's neck. I thank you all very much for joining me here today, and I hope you will enjoy this next chapter of Night School at Vesperal Academy. Lyria stumbles through Dawn Greet in a haze. It's been a week or a day since they fell asleep in the only home they've known for months, Igor's company. Then, however long ago it may have been, they woke up. Igor's body lay cold, with a bruise around his neck. Since then, Illyria has just wandered. What else is there to do? They consider going home, back to the silent shores in the north. They even stray northward a day on the road, before turning back for fear of being caught by the wild stallions before completing the quest they were given. They turn back, stumbling into Dawn Greet, sick and dirty, Starving. Begging for help at the temple ruins. They get a little help from Shara. Shara is an elf, young, an acolyte at the Temple of the Broken Throne. The temple butts up against the ruins. Their red hair is shaved close to their head as they nod. Sympathetically. They're able to offer a bit before the old priest, Rostov, turns them away. Illyria takes the meager offerings, a little cabbage, some cheese, and eats what there is to be had as Rostov calls Shara to their task for the day. They study these ruins on the northeastern corner of town. Rustof can often be seen scouring these ruins with a fine, fine gaze, trying to discern the ancient painted markings that once covered it. He and Shara, as part of their discipline, go over these ruins and try to revive the images there. Illyria will get no lasting help here. They resort to stealing. Wandering around in the expeditioners' camp, there's not much to be had that isn't being closely watched. Illyria manages to gather some small supplies and then is run off. They can't even call it home anymore. Illyria doesn't run off quickly enough. They take a beating that is considered a warning, but the expeditioners are tough. With their spoils, they head to old Vilmer's general store next to the whetstone blacksmith. At the southern edge of town, we can see a blacksmith, with a pale roof, and then next to it, another large building. This is old Viomir's shop. Viomir is an old dwarf man, who, at the moment that Illyria enters, says,
1: Oh, I don't think so. I know why you're here. You're here to uh, bring things out to hunters in the forest.
2: No, I'm, I'm not. I've got um, a few horseshoes, I've got a, a bridle, and... Um, uh, uh, some arrows, I would like to trade them for some food.
1: Mm. Some food.
2: You—you
1: are bringing it uh, into the forest. Into the. You listen to me. You come here. You ever hear the name Luca Brusca?
2: Luca Brusca? No, I—I I don't. I have never heard. Mm.
1: Of it.
0: We shall see.
1: Put what you've got on the table.
0: Illyria hesitantly puts the supplies in front of the old dwarf.
1: All right. I can give you a loaf of bread for the bridle. All of the rest of this is going to equivocate. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe a few ounces of cheese.
0: All right. Illyria, with no energy to haggle, simply nods. Vjomir softens after seeing the state that Illyria is in. Vjomir says, I'm sorry, I just,
1: um, uh, I want to make sure that those people who attacked the town last night, they don't get any of my help, none of my supplies. Not a single thing, not a crumb.
2: No, of course not. I I don't know anything about them. I wouldn't help them, and I couldn't. Even if I wanted to.
1: Yes. They're a scourge. I've seen them before.
2: You have seen them?
0: I've seen them.
1: Best not to discuss them.
0: Illyria takes the supplies and ducks out quickly before they are recognized by any of the town folk. Going out into the alleyways behind the shops here in this more populated area to the western edge of the town of Dongreet. Illyria eats the food as the sleet and rain that has been storming recently turns to snow. A light snow, and as Illyria makes their way to the edge of town, munching on as much food as they seem willing to part with for now, knowing it may be a long time before they have more. The snow starts to swirl and gather. Over in a spot, in a little collection of trees, a sharp whistling fills the air. The air whirls around, and in this little collection of trees, the snow whirls tighter and tighter and tighter in this cyclone before (coughs) dispersing, leaving a pair of cloaked figures. It's early, early morning here in Dawn The sun has barely begun to peek over the horizon, and these two figures stride into town, not yet casting much of a shadow, and they enter the shop. Illyria is curious and heads in to find a pair of figures with tanned skin, and yet in between sort of shifts in the robes, they can see bright white tattoos all up and down the arms of these two individuals. One, an elf woman, um, maybe just, just peeking into middle age, and then uh, a human man carrying a, we'll call it a cane, I suppose, and yet the head of this cane is massive and thick and wrapped in a studded iron band, clearly a weapon. It's hard for Illyria to pick up much of what's going on. We hear from inside, Old Viomir ask, Wait, wait! Are you with Luca Brusca?
2: No, we are not. We are um, just here to visit the town, passing through.
1: Mm. All right, well, if you hear the name Luca Brusca, you turn the other
0: direction. You give them no help. All right. The two of them talk for a moment, and uh, after making great assurances to old Vjomir, they manage to convince him to purchase some supplies, and they get a bit of news about the town. Out in the street, as Illyria stumbles away, there are whispers. Other shopkeepers, um, the owner of the whetstone, Smithy, leans in to his apprentice and says,
1: You watch out there. Those
0: markings along their arms. That's vampires, I'm sure of it. Fyomir comes and watches as the two hooded figures proceed down the road, disappearing into the camp of expeditioners to the north.
1: Mm. Well, I've never had any quarrel with them. You hear about them, certainly. You hear about all the terrible things that they do, and yet
0: I've never had any trouble. We shall see. The morning proceeds into day, a foggy one, and the snow begins to pick up. And still, Illyria gets no sleep. But they remember the food in the barrel. They stumble into the alleyway and eat hunched over the barrel. They manage to almost keep it all down. It's hard to show their face back in the camp after having stolen, and so we're with nowhere else to go, Illyria heads into the forest. Illyria walks to the north, deeper and deeper into the forest, past the glassblower shop uh, with its quiet and secretive apprentices. Into the forest, Illyria walks alone, hoping that somewhere here, the underbrush, this mysterious figure that has been helping Illyria to survive on their trip south, hoping for some kind of aid. Illyria stumbles into the forest until, heading far enough, they come upon a hill off in the distance. It peeks through the fog and up at its peak, the ruins of an old castle, skeletal against the sky.
2: What?
1: Where are you going?
2: Igor? Igor, where are you? Igor, you're not sure where you are. Where are you going? What are you looking for? I'm... looking for help. I... I don't know. I... the. The Underbrush, I was hoping that they would come out, but Igor, please, come out. Where are you?
0: Igor, you try to imagine where you are. You know you're close to Illyria. You know there is forest around you, and yet, looking forward, you can see the forest, and yet... If you turn and look in your peripheral, you can see just fog. And that fog fades behind you into absolute darkness in spite of the day becoming morning. Suddenly, a hand falls upon Illyria's shoulder. Igor, you manifest into the world. It's difficult. You feel like you are pulling yourself forward out of the mist, out of nothingness. This hand falls onto Illyria's shoulder. They look down, and immediately the hand disappears.
2: Igor, please don't. Please.
0: Igor, you feel yourself being drawn away. You forget why you're here. And for a moment, you even forget who is this person. This human with their broad shoulders and short-shorn hair. Carrying nothing but burlap. A dirty face. But you fight forward. You're here, suddenly. You come forward out of this fog, and you separate yourself from it. And there you stand. Illyria gasps and falls into the light snow that covers the ground.
2: Igor, I saw you, you're dead. Ghosts I've heard terrible things please I I don't know I I, have I wronged you I, I should have protected you I know I know this I know this I know it I'm sorry Igor This is what we've always done I protected you from harm and you protected me from starving and getting myself into too much trouble. Igor, I'm sorry. I'm sorry No No, no, you were You were good for me I am dead, but I'm here for you, Elyria
1: My choices led me here
2: You You chose To stay I'm happy to see you." And Illyria looks up into Igor's face,
0: that elf boy with ashy blonde hair. That face that Illyria always imagined would stay young even as Illyria got much older. Igor wipes a tear off of Illyria's face and Illyria feels this cold presence, a hand seemingly of the fog.
2: I've got that key. The one that you picked up that night. I also brought these and
0: uh, Illyria pulls around the alchemy supplies—just um, a little satchel, a little leather bag um, with a few beakers, um, uh, a, a little mortar and pestle, just a couple of things that Igor would use to do a bit of light alchemy.
2: I brought them. I—I I was hungry, but I knew I couldn't tell them. But. We didn't have anything else to bring. I I don't know where I'm going to go now, Igor. If I go, can you follow me? I. Do you do you hunt here? Do you hunt? Do you hunt me?
0: Illyria, sort of
2: passes a hand
0: through igor's form um and then closes their eyes and just
2: like Uh, it's very strange we will see all right oh oh
0: it didn't appear that igor's efforts to wipe away illyria's tears produced much of an effect. It's just sort of smudged the tears across their dirty face and uh, they reach up and, and wipe underneath their eyes but as they do there's real relief there for just a moment because in the moment after a sound Woo! The last sliver of the moon is just disappearing over the horizon as the day breaks.
2: that? Wolves? This far out of the frontier? No, that can't be right. Um, alright, we we should, I don't know if you can be hurt, but I know I certainly can. Let's, let's head back into town.
0: Footsteps. The forest darkens footsteps fall in the snow.
2: Igor
0: A massive form thunders out of the woods and pounds past Illyria through Igor who who disperses as fog and then comes back together?
2: I don't know which way we came. It's like I just woke back up in the mist. All right, I I'll try to lead us back. But
0: at this moment, this figure turns and pounds back through the trees, and an enormous wolf with eyes that burn a rusty red charges at Illyria and takes a massive bite out of their shoulder. This is the nightmare moment. This is the moment Illyria was worried about, fighting all on their own, as far as they know. Now, of course, Igor is here, but what can Igor do? Well, Igor's gonna have to try some things and find out. Igor doesn't know yet what Igor's abilities are (laughs) more of these shapes hurtle through the woods on either side we find ourselves in a ravine and the howling continues but it doesn't just continue it reverberates the trees seem like they shake around us pine needles are falling and bits of bark are cracking in the cold the snow continues to fall as this uh, massive shape once again tumbles out of the darkness and then another one comes through. The, the morning is progressing and yet the forest is getting darker. And as these howls in the near distance get louder, the darker it gets and the more the trees thrum and reverberate. <sighs> Crackling bark drops and this next shape comes out of the forest and grabs the satchel in which I'd been carrying the very last of my supplies, the ones I just got from Vjomir earlier today. Um, The ghost of Igor whisks over through the woods. Uh, You find yourself traveling fairly quickly, but as you hurtle through the mist, you find yourself once again sort of
2: forgetting why.
0: But you remember you're trying to help Illyria. You go ahead and you try to uh, find a wolf to possess. This is a thing ghosts can do, right? You've heard the stories, the the little nightmares about it. You find a wolf. It's large, maybe the leader. Who knows? You dive at it and yet pass right through. Uh, Illyria waits for the next shape to come pounding out of the darkness. <laughs> i am terrified illyria is shaking and yet uh from the ground picks up uh, a a big tree branch and uh tries to use it just to stave off these um uh these clearly wolves the howling continues but as one of these pounds by uh, Illyria backs up against a tree and braces the, the branch against the tree as the wolf pounds through and manages to catch itself in the shoulder uh, with this branch braced against the tree. As this uh, wolf squeals and pounds back into the darkness.
2: In the satchel, I've made an elixir that you can drink. What?
0: What? I uh, uh, Illyria just sort of falls back against the tree, uh, fumbling with the clasp as f- 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 these footsteps pound through the snow once more um, and uh, uh, grabs with a shaking hand a dirty vial, but just tips it up into their mouth. Um... And uh, although exhausted, uh, Illyria's eyes just sort of like open a little wider, can see a little bit more keenly, and uh, uh, not only that, but moves a little bit more quickly. Illyria still has initiative and is going to try and get away here. The wolves, for a moment, let up. I know they are watching from the darkness, we both do, uh, as we sort of stand back to back with with my back chilling from your ghastly form right behind me. I try to grab another tree branch, there's not much here. I grab a a, a big rock, maybe the size of a, a, a large bread roll, um, and just sort of stand at the ready as much as I can. But this howling, it's piercing, rising to a, an absolute fever pitch, the trees start to visibly thrum. We can see them vibrating. And one by one, burst into flames. It happens slowly. First one, and then another. And then another, until there are a half dozen trees around us, just shattering into sudden flame, as though uh, struck by lightning. This howling gets louder, and we can hear that it is twisting around itself, unearthly harmonies and melodies being sung uh, in a non-human voice. These wolves are singing something into the air, a powerful magic with all of them in chorus. And the forest lights up with fire from these exploding trees. The forest exploding around both of us. Um, Suddenly the heat washes over us, Deathrave says, can we try to disperse our physical appearance into the fog we have formed uh, as a kind of shroud the area around Illyria? That's super cool, yes, absolutely. Illyria is horrified for a moment as Igor simply explodes into mist. Uh, Illyria screams,
2: Igor!
0: But the voice of Igor remains and um, this, Mist thickens and darkens around Illyria. Illyria can still see kind of okay, but it blocks out the the uh, the some of the fire that is uh, trying to encroach. Just a little bit of that heat, it dampens it, and um, it, it makes a very opaque visual barrier to all of these um, uh, all of these wolves thundering around through the forest. <laughs> Use the mist,
2: Illyria. Okay, all right. I got to run. I I can't hold them all off.
0: I'm still with you. And this absolutely bolsters uh, Illyria. Um, Illyria settles their breathing. And goes into a bit of a mode that I think Igor kind of knows. Um, Whether, uh, I don't know if they've talked about it much, but... Illyria has a solid sense of focus, and um, Illyria is going to dig their feet into the soil, um, strap their, um, their their gear on more tightly in preparation to run. Illyria falters, um, uh, making little starts. They sort of try to rush off to the north and then to the east, but every time as they sort of pass into the mist a little bit. <laughs> Another tree bursts into flames and Illyria is knocked back.
2: I think I'm going to have to fight. Uh, I
0: sneak over to the edge of the mist and listen for the next footprints to come thundering past. And <laughs> doing so, I strike out at one of them and hear a <laughs> as I hit another one with this massive rock um it's at close range, but I I slam it into this into uh this creature's furry shoulder,
2: Igor. It's... We might be able to do it. Thank you, thank you for your help.
0: Uh, I managed to hit another one in the shoulder uh, as it goes past. Um, uh, and then this one, I hear a crunch. All
2: right, Igor, Igor, I think if if I wait, I can try to. I can try to injure this one on the way past, and hopefully that will give me enough of an opening. If there are too many more, I'm not going to make it, but maybe if it's just this one, it's hurt, I can tell.
0: Uh, Illyria just sort of, like, peers into the mist, looking up and around, hoping that Igor is indeed still there. Um,
2: Whenever you're ready. Okay, all right, all right.
0: Um, Igor clouding their senses. Okay, okay, I love this. Okay, so fantastic. So in addition to this fog, suddenly this sort of like unearthly whisper scream starts to emit from the fog. Um, a few yelps start to come out of uh, uh, uh of the distant fog here as this this scream, this whining keen, reaches a fever pitch. And uh, in addition to the fog, um, you are just releasing this unearthly, terrible noise (sighs) As um, uh, as I try to rush out into the forest as these wolves yelp with this massive, like, whistling, whispering scream echoing in their ears. All right, if I can just take out this one wolf, I might have an opening where I can rush off into the forest. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Ooh. These are good numbers. These are good numbers, folks. On a strong hit, the foe is no longer in the fight. And uh, we hear a a, a squeal as one of these wolves charges once again into the fog and Illyria is ready, bringing this rock down hard on its snout. And in doing so, notices a dirty scarf or, or band of cloth, um, wrapped around one of its paws, it crashes to the ground. And um, I think, in a in a moment of curiosity, let's see if I take it with me here. Um. Uh, yeah, I think I I think I I I grab for it, and I'm going to lose a bit of momentum for that. But um, I grab for it and take it with me. Uh it is a, sort of a dirty um, kind of yellowed banner, uh, brown and yellow, it might have even started white, who can tell, um, but it has a U-shape on it, and inside of that U-shape are spikes pointing inward, um, one could read it as, like, a, a, a pit with spikes in it, uh, sort of crudely drawn or a crudely drawn sort of smile with fangs coming up from the lower jaw, it's hard to tell, um, but Illyria rushes into this hole uh, created in the the sort of uh, the the enemy's defenses here, and uh, rushes off into the woods. Um, Trees, as I pass, still um, burst out into flame as the howling continues. But it it's getting quieter. We're getting away. Our footsteps. Hit the snow as Igor simply washes behind us. Your manifestation has saved us. Saved me at the very least. They were able to get away with some supplies, and they are still certainly here in the forest, but. We have started to make our way back to civilization. You've got a rusty red tinge, Igor, as uh, you form back into yourself. Um, Illyria is (sighs) gasping for breath, panting with the effort of, of fighting and fleeing. Um, And, Igor, you can feel that you yourself are not unaffected by all this exertion. Um, Maybe it's simply that you are not accustomed to having this sort of ethereal form. Perhaps you are wondering, um, you know, like, does your physical body still get tired? It's hard to know right now, but you certainly don't feel great. Um, You feel once again like you're sort of losing yourself into that void that seems to hover right behind you at all times. Looking forward, you can see the physical world, but it's almost as if you're looking at it from the mouth of a cave. And the further you fade, the more you step backward into the cave and you can only see the material world in front of you at a distance. But for right now, you're still standing very close to the mouth of the cave. You can. You can not a literal cave, of course, but um, as you look into the world, it's only at the very farthest edges of your vision do you see that darkness, the consuming mist. You feel pretty present for the moment. The howling has not ceased out in the um, uh, out in the the forest here, but um, the woods are much quieter here.
2: Um, Igor, I don't know the way back. I've done a bit of hunting, but I—I I, I don't know. I don't know. The, I, we never explored this far into the forest. We focused on the town. There is the castle up on the hill.
1: I saw it as I was reforming. As I returned. We can use that to navigate.
2: All right, but I... Do we go toward the castle? Do we go back to town? I don't know where these wolves are going to be.
0: Um, Illyria stops for a moment and examines the um, uh, the pennant, this armband that she sort of pulled off of this uh, this wolf, Um, It appears to be sort of like a a small flag, essentially. Like I said, a a, a bit of a pennant, maybe created from what is essentially a rag, and uh, just very crudely stitched into this fabric is, uh, indeed, as I said, is the shape of a U, and inside that U are sort of spikes.
2: Igor, I don't know whether to go back to town or... uh, It's the only place that we know... It's the only place that we know. We could get some help there. I I don't know which way we need to go to get to town from the castle. Maybe we can get a view from there. Okay. All right.
0: Igor is going to try and navigate us up toward the castle. As we proceed through the forest here, we can see some of the damage left by these howling mages, whoever they were.
2: I've never seen a wolf wear a scarf before. This was tied onto its paw. It wasn't just caught there. And again, I've never heard howling wolves that could burst trees into flame.
0: Igor uses uh, the form of mist. This uh, j- just sort of um, casting away the need to to walk and scouts forward, <sighs> disappearing into the trees in front. Um, Illyria knows what the mission is and therefore doesn't get too worried but still sort of pulls their insufficient clothing around them trying to fend off the cold igor you you whisk forward and up on the hill there you can see the ruins. Again, skeletal, ruinous uh, a castle, this old artifact of some ancient keep. It's barely there, but it might give us a vantage point. Now for this, we are both going to have to be very quiet. Igor comes back and reports.
2: Maybe it was not the wolves that made the fire. We don't know. It's true. It's true, but someone working with the wolves? Someone trying to fight the wolves? Was it the hunters? I don't know.
0: Igor simply fades. Visually, at least. In your own mind, Igor, you can see that you're still at the mouth of this cave. You, you have receded a bit as you continue to sort of exert yourself in the material world. It's difficult. It's difficult to stay. The more you sort of seem to take advantage of your ghastly nature, the more it tries to overcome you. The more it tries to become your default state. Shadow and fog and mist and near-nothingness. But you manage to hold on so far. It does, however, keep you incredibly stealthy. You are invisible, you leave no footprints, and you progress and lead Illyria up toward the castle. Illyria isn't quite so quiet. Illyria isn't accustomed to moving quietly and stealthily. And um, I can. Illyria can feel the energy being sapped. This is not the adventure that we signed up for. Illyria looks to Igor and says,
2: I knew I wanted to get away from my town for a little while, just get off of those silent shores. I knew that it would be dangerous. But I didn't know how hard it would be to lose someone. Igor, you were gone, and if I go, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know if I'll join you as a ghost, or what are. what are. why we would stay? I don't know. Do you think that we. Do you think we did what we came here to do for the Wild Stallions? I suppose almost it doesn't matter now, does it?
0: We trek through the quiet woods together. We approach the base of a hill here, and as we start to climb it... That is a mystery
2: that we will find out.
0: Says Igor. Igor. Illyria says,
2: Aren't you getting tired? Maybe you just don't, climbing up this hill. We can't count on the idea of you becoming a ghost, too. For now, let's focus on your survival. The stallions, are goals, none of that matters right now.
0: I think it is very safe to say that the two of us have forged a bond together. Don't y'all think that's fair? I think uh, after all of this, um, between sort of me defending you back in town, you defending me here as a ghost, um, I think it's very fair to say that the two of us have forged a bond here. Ooh! We beat it, and we beat it with a twist. Fascinating. What a great time for a twist here. Um, The two of us trek through this forest here, and um, as we do so, um, a twist, potentially a new opportunity. There is a new sound in the forest here. footsteps on the snow once again illyria whirls around um igor um igor what do you see it's, the sun is a little brighter now and uh igor you're having kind of a harder time maintaining your corporeal form against the sun um certainly not something that's like sort of driving you away but it's a little tougher it seems uh, as the sun has come up and you are out of the shadows uh, to sort of maintain your natural form here um, uh this padding in the woods it doesn't sound like the the uh the rapid sort of thunderous footsteps of a uh, of the wolves here the castle this this ruin is now just a bit above us uh, there's a steep trail to climb however um and uh, as we as we come upon this trail we we're hearing these footsteps um, we start to back away from them, uh, toward a uh, toward uh, another sound, which seems to be a rushing stream, um, or, or perhaps a small river, in the same direction as this path. Um, as we do so, um, here in the forest, uh, we see a shape emerge. It's a tiger, a white and black striped tiger. Um, sort of that classic, you know, the, the one that most people think of when they hear Siberian tiger, um, but this one has the, the black and white stripes rather than the orange ones. Illyria gets ready to fight once more, but uh, this individual starts to snarl a bit um, and uh, sits and sort of keeps its distance from us, but snarls and slowly the snarl changes. And slowly, this tiger shifts Uh, from its original uh, sort of black and white tiger form, uh, and becomes shorter and stockier, uh, until it is... Mostly a dwarf, mostly a dwarf. This dwarf uh, sits on its sort of squatted on its hands and knees here uh, before sitting back and saying, Old Vyomir, Vyomir said you were in trouble. Let me look at your wounds. Um, just absolutely in shock Uh, the two of us backed up against this river um, with the trail on the other side just stretching upward um, where we can see uh, the the castle spire up into the sky and uh, this dwarf steps forward with a, a shaking step Illyria steps back and says
2: don't you come anywhere near me you stay back there listen
0: You're not going to, you're not going to feel well for a couple of days. The blood on your shoulder, I can see it, you have been wounded, yes? Um, And uh, Illyria sort of looks down, Um, Igor kind of uh, wafts in front of Illyria and says, Explain who you are and what you want. Uh, The the dwarf smiles. Um, He's got uh, like almost a platinum white beard Um, and he sort of grins for a second. A ghost.
1: (laughs) Shouldn't you be in school?
2: In school? What do you mean? What are you talking about?
0: I am here. Because old Vyomir sent me. Now, you have been wounded, but this is a very particular wound. He takes another small step forward and holds his hands up. I am... I'm going to make you an offer. It is... Difficult here to be a lone wolf. Takes another small step, and uh, Illyria, sort of not quite knowing what to do, uh, reaches down for a river rock and picks it up and sort of hefts it uh, at this dwarf that continues to advance. Especially considering this dwarf as he continues to raise his hands, we can see on the arm, a dirty yellow scarf, bearing a U, with spikes inside of it. Illyria panics, uh, and, and uh, throws first one rock, and then another one. Um, they miss in the panic, and uh, Illyria uh, steps back, um, into the water as it starts to rush across, um, but then starts to feel pretty woozy. The dwarf says, you're going to want to get out of the water. It's, you're going to feel very dizzy and then you're going to feel very sick and you're going to stay very sick. He looks up at the castle up above, um, and says, listen, I don't know if I can help you, but I can offer you a different choice. It is hard to be a lone wolf, but it might be easier to be something different. I give you only a chance. And... um, reaching forward uh as i said this dwarf is only almost reverted to a dwarf and uh as he reaches forward um illyria sees off in the forest the underbrush this shape this shape that has followed illyria and kept illyria safe uh throughout uh times of absolute desolation Illyria goes to raise another rock and strike at the dwarf, but seeing the underbrush over the dwarf's shoulder, it just shakes what must be ahead. This dwarf extends a hand, and it's almost changed into a dwarf's hand, but at the edge, at the ends of its fingers, still claws, long, vicious ones, and it reaches toward the wound and grips tightly around it. Illyria screams into the forest and it's enough to make them fully pass out. Illyria drops into the stream, and uh, the dwarf hauls them back up onto the riverbank.
2: What did you mean by school? What have you done?
0: The dwarf says, listen, you're going to get some help, all right? Help is going to come for you, and yet, It might not be the sort of help that you want.
2: Never let this child forget. There are other homes for the wild things in the world. You yourselves could find a different way.
0: He looks up at the castle, and back into the forest um, doesn't seem to see the underbrush as a matter of fact I don't know if Igor does either but this shape turns and plots away back into the forest as you lose it between the trees Igor um, it sort of changes from a you know reasonably tall but stocky shape into a long black and white shape and disappears into the snowy forest, perfectly camouflaged. You look, you don't see the underbrush, that seems to be how the underbrush operates, but you stand now over Illyria's unconscious body, um, sort of uh, one arm still dangling into the river. Igor, with illyria unconscious on the ground, uh, you try as you might, however your sort of your your form is not corporeal enough to get a hold here um, your ghost form is i mean it however strong you were before, which is not terribly um, you are even weaker now uh, against the sort of the the simple act of strength it would require to move Illyria. But reaching down toward Illyria, you find that you you get a hold, not so much on their physical form, but on something closer to their spirit. You reach into Illyria. It's strange, but your your hands pass not even into sort of an approximation of of their physical form, but the the essence of them, which sort of spins around their body and and uh, along uh, the you know the things that they carry with them um, that they consider important. It's not just uh, the, the spirit of this person is not just in the body, and you reach in and find. Blood at war with itself. You hear the howling of the wolves in this essence. You hear uh, the low rumble growl of that tiger here. And you hear shouts, terrified screams of Illyria as they are simply caught up in this fight, even uh, even more so than the fight between the hunters and the guards. This is a clash between two enormous legacies. This is the first time, I think, that Igor has ever really been deeply aware of the Grand Fable. This thing that underlies the realms of Residus. You get just the smallest peek at it, and you see... Why the Duskin are something else. You see, this blood is at war with itself, but much more so. It is a legacy on, on one side, the howling of wolves and... um Uh, the enormous weight of obligation to a pack and lineage. On another side, you see enormous traditions of solitude and solace. You see uh, ancient lines of hunger and instinct and both the viciousness of the hunter and the fear of prey. And those things slowly swell and swell and those legacies, whatever it was that Illyria's legacy might have been, it is now being crashed over and buried in this avalanche of legacy. As Igor Bends over Illyria and tries to reach into this small piece of Illyria that uh, that they're able to uh, still still contact underneath the crashing waves of of howling and growling and uh, fear and hunger and deep instinct. The small part of Illyria that's still there, Igor reaches into it. This quiet scream somewhere at the bottom of this crashing stills. It stills down to a groan, but a groan that doesn't feel that same fear. It's overwhelmed, certainly, but you don't hear the terror in that scream anymore. And Igor emerges out from Illyria and... Illyria's face releases some of the contortion. And Igor sits quietly by Illyria's unconscious body. It's very quiet here. The stream rushes by, not frozen over yet, as the snow is still light on the ground. Um... Illyri's breathing has slowed to a much more normal pace, but they're still unconscious. You find yourself having a hard time staying here in the world. You, you, you feel yourself, without noticing it, you can feel yourself further back into that cave of nothingness. You forget for a moment who you are. While you're here, who is this person? You start to emerge from yourself and spread out as a fog and your consciousness sinks further back into this cave before coming to your senses again. You don't know quite how long it's been, but the snow is deeper than it was before. And the sun, instead of coming up is now seemingly on its way down. You once again manifest yourself into the world. You're able to bring yourself sort of halfway back, but it's still tough to stay here, to stay connected. You try to move Illyria, but continues to just be uh, a dead weight on the ground. Igor looks up to the ruins, where This mysterious dwarf said there would be help available. You walk up this steep path. Um, It climbs, you, you pass over this river, but it climbs up onto this hill. And here, at the hill, you find yourself in uh, another small quiet forest. Um, it looks down over uh, the, the sort of valley here wherein uh, you can see the town of Dongreet and the lights. Um, but as the sun continues to set here on this very foggy, snowy day, uh, you sort of waft between trees and see a light. Not up in the castle, but here. Here in this little forest, you hear footsteps, you hear the the clinking of glasses, um, uh, you hear uh, murmuring voices, even a bit of laughter. You're alone here um, approaching a cabin. You see this uh, sort of rough-hewn log cabin um, and Igor, you look in through the window and inside you see a group just sort of carousing together. Um, You see um, a very uh, well-built orc woman. Uh, She, uh, strong of arm and of leg, Currently, she is actually uh, sitting at a one of these rough-hewn stools and uh, using a massive log with sort of a handhold cut into it, uh, just to sort of do some reps, um, doing some some uh, some strength training here. Um, you see a young halfling woman um, who is sort of sitting quietly, um, has a, uh, a, a bandolier of daggers across her chest. Um, you see an old man with uh, black skin, with a, um, a a very curious scabbard by his side for a sword, um, and you see uh, an elf um, with with sort of more tan skin, um, and a rapier, um, you know, a, a long, very thin sword, sort of a fencing type sword. Um, you see the the four of them here, um, along with a, a couple of others, sort of uh, shifting around in the building. Uh they're they're kind of a little outside of your view, but the four that you can see here, you can see two things. First, these individuals carry weapons that are marked with runes. And yet these runes uh don't uh don't glow like the ones that you saw the hunters from town use. Uh, in addition, um you don't see any of the distinctive cloaks that they were wearing, nor the most distinctive feature of those hunters that came into town—the uh, luka bruska, um, as you've heard old Vio- well, as as Illyria heard old Vyomir call them. Um, these luka bruska, uh, the, the luka bruska hunters, had these tricorn hats. Uh, these these tricorner hats—they're um, ones that like y'all might associate with pirates, I suppose. Those are sort of the the hats that you associated with them, but uh, you don't see any of those here. So these are something else um and yet as you as you make your way uh, around to different windows here trying to get a good view inside uh no one else turns to look at you except this older man very he's very quiet here in the room and he turns toward you and without opening his mouth to speak you hear his voice hello there shouldn't you be inside he stands um, and uh, walks over to stand uh at the window that you are standing in front of um, he doesn't say anything he just looks out the the sort of uh, the The carousing continues inside and uh, he just stands there at the window looking at you. Even though his mouth doesn't move, you hear him say, I don't recognize you. Hmm.
1: Might have a new one tonight then, eh?
0: Inside? He's sort of like, Lazily jerks his head over his shoulder, and uh, you know, like you can see, he's indicating toward the castle. Hi. Inside. Everyone, thank you very, very much for joining me today. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. If you're wondering what this is all about, this is our second campaign in the realms of Residus. The first campaign is uh, slowly becoming more and more available on YouTube, and I'm working on getting it up on uh, Spotify as well. Uh, it's just a lot of rendering to do, um, some stuff that needs editing, so uh, and then tons of, of video uploading, which always takes forever. So I'm working on that right now, but uh, I am going to be having these episodes up weekly. Um, this is uh, something where you're going to be able to find these 24 hours before the next episode goes live. So you're going to be able to find these. Of course, they'll be here on Twitch. Uh, and uh, in this case, the Nightmare version, which if you're listening to this on YouTube or Spotify, I have edited this down into a non-Nightmare version. <laughs> <laughs> um, y'all, this has been lovely. Uh, I'm going to have to do some work on the next one, but we have officially reached the school. And now we are, you know, we're going to be getting into sort of the meat of this campaign. Um, those of you who are unaware of what we're doing here, uh, this has been sort of the plan the entire time. Uh, I needed a couple of episodes to set some things up. I know this is a Um, I I know this is sort of an atypical kind of campaign thing, and I know I have done some bending here. I know that I have uh, done a little bit more kind of railroading, uh, I guess I would say, Um, but I needed to get us to the school. So um, that is not my intent for the rest of the campaign for any of you curious GMs out there or or just, you know, storytellers in general who are like, and this is sort of, this is kind of at... um, uh, this is kind of progressing along too much of a track for me. I knew we needed to get to the school within two episodes and so that is where we're at. And now we can sort of let the story develop a lot more organically. Um, Death Rave says, what is the popping noise supposed to mean? Uh, that is an edit point for me, um, Death Rave. That's how I know I have just said something incorrectly and so I'm going to go back and edit that. Um, so, yeah, death rave <laughs> that's that's for me later on. Um uh, and frankly it's also for y'all so that when you hear it you know okay, hold on, that thing he just said might not be totally accurate. If y'all are uh if y'all are going to be sticking around for a moment here though, I I am available to answer any questions that you may have, Um, whether that's about lore. uh, This is a time when we might get into some spoilers. I will try to do my best to sort of give my spoiler signal here. Um, I'll hold my fist up, and and once it's down again, then you will know that it's safe to come back in. Um, But we're sort of like, we're getting near the end of spoiler territory, you know? The, the, uh... The progress of this campaign I knew we needed to spend at least one episode if not two uh, somewhere between two and three episodes that was my that was my intent here um to get us to the to the castle because I wanted us to to set down not roots necessarily in Dawn Greet, but to have some idea of what we were doing there and uh, a good sense of you know kind of uh how well we had progressed on our um uh on our plans back in Dawn greet. Um, and then now that we're here at the castle, now it's going to become a lot more about exploring this place and exploring the people who are here. Uh, I've got an interesting little array of, of characters already put together and I'm sure we're going to be discovering even more of them. But yeah, folks, uh, I'm really excited. Uh, as of the next episode, I'm going to have my lichen assets. Um, you, y'all, you have already had a chance to explore your new ghost asset. You are, you're a little ghost person. You're a little ghost lad. How are you enjoying it so far? I do need to make some adjustments here because there's no—I just realized there's no penalty for um, a miss, and that's just the way that this game works. Is you know, there's always some sort of like, um, there's always some drawback to a miss. It's it's one of the way, it's one of the core ways that this system moves things forward. Um, But uh, yeah, Hen, it went pretty well today. Um, We had a character become a ghost last session, and uh, this session, my character became uh, a lichen. We shall see. Which sword? As a matter of fact, do, you, do we want to, uh, do y'all want to hear some spoilers? Let, do you want? Do we want to roll for some spoilers here? Let's find out. Let's find out which of the two is going to win. I am going to roll 2d10 here on a 50 50. You missed uh, kind of almost two, Hen. Yeah. Um, but don't worry, I'm sure there will be more. Um, we're going to roll right now. I'm going to say um, on a 1 through 50 uh on a one through fifty the uh the the sort of lichen spirit that is gonna dominate is going to be the wolf on a fifty one through one hundred uh the lichen spirit that dominates will be the this white Siberian tiger okay so here we go we're about to find out what sort of lichen illyria is going to become um now this is going to be this is gonna be a little spoiler here, so I'm gonna keep my fist up here while i uh while I decide while we find out okay it would appear with a 21 that I am going classic werewolf. There we go. Uh, Deathriff says, so I was a little distracted during the moments with the tiger dwarf and Illyria. I couldn't tell if after she was battling internally with lichen and tiger blood fighting to take over her with her watching essentially, or with her and the lichen blood alone, if that makes sense. Um, Basically, all three of them were sort of in conflict. Uh, It was was a lot like, uh, the fight back in town between the guards and the the uh Luca Brusca hunters. Um the town guard versus Luka Brusca hunters, both of them are much more powerful than Illyria, but Illyria was just sort of like caught in the middle of it. Uh, and so yeah, I, I would say both of these both of these sort of bloodlines were were kind of raging uh, over top and around Illyria and they were unable to sort of like really defend themselves. But that's kind of the situation there. Yeah, exactly, Han. There are two wolves inside you. Uh in this case, one wolf and one uh white Siberian tiger. So, uh that is where we're at right now, folks. Uh this episode is going to take a lot of editing. <laughs> There's a lot of editing got to go on with this episode. Um meanwhile, let's take a look at some of our um uh some of our quests, some of our vows because that is the way to sort of earn XP in this game. Um I want to I want to take a look at some of these vows. So, um, is Illyria, is Illyria ready to return to Brackwater, ready to settle down? Absolutely not. But I think it's possible that, you know, with this, with this big first fight, I think it's sensible to take like a, to, to, to like make some progress toward this thing. You know, it, it seems like, um, uh, I, I have made this, I have made this vow to return and I made it, you know, back before I left. Um, so I've made some progress toward it, but I don't know if this is one that Illyria will eventually want to complete. we we'll, we'll, we shall have to see. Um, because I can, I can choose whether or not to take the move. Um, uh, to, let's see, where is it? Where is it? Here we go. Fulfill your vow. When you achieve what you believe to be the fulfillment of your vow, roll against the challenge dice. Okay. Yep. Um, or roll the challenge dice against your tracker. Um, Elyria is indeed experiencing internal conflict, and will continue to do so into the next episode. Um, Y'all just got a bit of a spoiler there um, for what's going to show up probably like midway through next episode. We'll see. Um, But yeah, any additional questions that y'all have about the world here? Uh, Of course, we did, you know... um, quite a bit of world building and then we played a year-long campaign and then we spent another full year just doing lore. Uh, and within all of that, we have developed out quite a bit of information for the realms of Recedus. Um, if you would like to know more about that, you can use the Recedus command. That will bring up the link to the fandom. Uh, and then, of course, bit.ly slash uh, lorekeeper's tome will bring up um, some of the, like, Google Drive information I'm trying to consolidate as much information as possible into one place, but you know some of these some of these links are still useful in other ways. Um, Castle Vesperal is located. Um, I can actually show you, Hen. Do You want to see exactly where it's at, Hen? Let's go. Let's go on a quick adventure here um, because some of y'all may not be aware of this. Um, so we're going to jump into Incarnate, um, which is the uh, the sort of map building spot. Yeah. This is why we've got the map. Um, let's see. Oh, good grief. I can never remember how exactly I did this. Okay. Did I use, I I hope I use the right screen for that. I did. We're good. Okay. So this is currently our largest existing world map. Let me jump over to the screen. This is currently the largest world map that we have. Um, intentionally, a lot of the frontier has been left uh, pretty blank. Y'all know this um, if you've been here for any of our world building streams. Um, once this map loads in here, you'll be able to see the the, the Residus Towers. All of that gray space there in the middle of the green, um, that that in, this enormous sprawl of gray here uh, for any of our newbies, this is the... Uh, this is the 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 city of Recedus Towers, as you can see it's absolutely massive um I try to describe it as the sprawl of Shanghai with the height of New York and higher. Um, or oh, maybe I should start using Dubai and higher because that is that's sort of like the imagination that I have for it enormously tall towers uh, to the point where you could you could live your whole life and never see the ground uh, you could live a whole life and never see uh, uh, and never climb to the top of, of a tower um, and you could live an entire life never leaving the towers and. Um, uh, because it's just in so massive. So let's zoom in a little bit here. Uh, I'm, I'm actually not going to take you straight to where we're at. Cause I want to go there, uh, by a, I want to, I want to go there by the route that, uh, Igor took. So Igor, of course, as y'all know, is the character played by chat. So, um, if y'all would like to know where Igor is from, um, it might even be good. Like if y'all want to give me a name for this gate town, do let me know because this is where Igor is from. Igor is from right down here. Um, near Craig Carrick uh this is where um Igor got looped in with the Wild Stallions um because they operate right down here near Craig Carrick um and uh you know with Bog's the Mountains crew sort of that was the way that Igor got in with them um uh Igor has probably visited the the town of Perseverance this is the town that um uh, one of our, one of our PCs from last campaign sort of founded here, but this is the gate town, uh, and Igor went through Crag K- Carrick, um, on sort of a, a, a running mission. And as I mentioned, not necessarily fully accepted by the wild stallions, they made their way through the city, um, probably taking the Ponte de Catalina bridge, um, uh, past the Baker's Guild, um, through many, many districts. I, I kind of like to imagine that each one of these little squares here kind of is a district. Um, some of these larger tokens indicate like a known district that we you know have lore about. Um, you know, they, they kind of represent like like uh, points of points of importance, points of interest. Um, they very well may have traveled through Cheaps Gate um, on their way out of town. Um, but then there are these two gate towns of Paura and Fabra. Uh, Paura is probably where they left. Received towers and traveled out into the world. Now, some of these landmarks are unknown to most, but, uh, traveling through dangerous territory here. Um, these roads are left as much alone as, uh, as they can be. But, uh, this is where we find ourselves now. Um, Ereli uh, is a town that we probably passed through to reach Dongreet. And Dongreet uh, is right here at the tip of the forest here, uh, uh, encompassing some of the lichen territories. But uh, as we can see, this sort of delta swampland area, um, this archipelago um, uh, in the massive river from the north. This is uh this is roughly where we find ourselves. So, um if you're wondering where some of the roads go, here is the town of Dongreet. Um if you are wondering uh what these roads are basically, if you go north on this road, you head up uh, along these this forest. So, uh you head up along this forest here. Oh, hello. Man, the navigation on this program is a little wonky, uh, but otherwise, I, Sandra, I also have been very, very happy with it. So, Don, greet North, South, East, and West roads. Um, so North, see, uh, you, you can see it goes up into uh, Lycan territory. Uh, south goes down and eventually will head to uh, the the gate town of Fabra. Um, uh the western road has kind of been lost to time. Uh this area people attempted to settle it and it didn't go very well. Uh, and then the eastern road heads here out into the frontier uh with a stop first in Early. Um but that is where we're at and then we can, you know, head back to this zoomed in map for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh this is the town of Dongreet and so once again we can see north uh, up uh into uh, territory to the north, uh, east over here to Araleigh, uh south down here, and we'll eventually curve over to the west um, toward the gate town of Fabra. And then this western road here um, sort of like peters out, and I should probably actually sort of reflect that it's, it's sort of uh, a derelict road. Hen says, whenever I think of Residus, I just think of one of those open sky boutiques, but very tall. Open Sky Boutique. I have never heard that phrase before. What does that mean? What is that? Can I get like a a point of reference for that? I've never heard of that before. Uh, but yeah, that is where we're at. So uh, we can zoom out here, and uh, here we have the the uh, the core, the heart of the realms of Rcedus. Um, and for anyone who is sort of new to some of the larger lore that we've talked about, um, we are right here on the on the sort of border between Lycan territories to the uh, to the north and Vampire territories to the south. Um, and then, of course, this sort of this Western bank here is largely populated by ghosts. Um, but, of course, there is there is a mix in all three. But, you know, if you're if you're going to find a um, a full estate of lichen or a full estate of vampires, you can sort of guess at which territory they're going to be able to live most openly um, and, and, uh, based on that sort of whether or not they're involved with one of the major, uh, houses or factions nearby. Um, you know, if, if you're a vampire in deep in ghost territory, you're much more likely to be just be sort of flying solo. It's like a mall, but without a ceiling. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. We kind of call those like pedestrian malls here, I guess. Something like that. Like, sort of, but we, we definitely have them here. I got you, Hen. For the clarification i appreciate it um but yeah here is this this is sort of uh the map of the the area just surrounding uh the towers themselves and of course um north south east and west all sorts of uh, different uh, uh, different biomes, different frontier areas to explore, um, and we are focusing in right now on this little section of the world here, and we're going to really dive deep. I want to spend a lot of time talking in this campaign about, spoilers coming up here for themes, uh, if you don't want to hear about that, Um we're going to spend a lot of time in this campaign talking about uh, the conflicts between the different groups of Duskin. That includes, um, of course, the Lycans and the Vampires. It's probably going to be mostly between them. The ghosts don't get as much into the sort of political conflicts anyway. Um, but Lycan and Duskin, uh, excuse me, uh, Lycan and Vampire, they certainly will butt heads. And we are right there on the, the border between those. Um uh, we're going to get into uh, some themes about sort of, um, uh, I guess, kind of duskin self protection, uh, trauma and trauma response. We're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff here, um, but really get a chance to kind of dig in and, and explore how the how the grander things that we've talked about in our lore building affect very specific places, and I'm super excited about that super excited um so uh, any other questions about the world any other uh questions comments concerns curiosities um let me head into the general RPG chat um let's see I gotcha yeah that one's frankly uh, hand that one is nicer than most of the ones I've seen. Hen, what is your question? And I know it's about chicken people already, uh, so you can just tell me sort of what it is about chicken people, your question regards. If you wish. (laughs) How's it going overall? Are you talking campaign-wise or just generally? Um, I would say campaign-wise, I'm super excited. Um, The the episode two was... (sighs) episode two was a little on the weaker side I think just uh, compared to episode one I thought we had a fantastic episode one so uh, I'm going to try and I'm gonna try and edit this one down to a a um, a, a, a nice episode two uh, and then episode three is gonna be easier basically this was the most shoehorned episode that we were gonna to have to have because uh, I needed to get us to the school um, and uh, so after this it's gonna be much smoother sailing I had a couple of like important points that I had to do. It was just, it was necessary. I had to get, I had to get, uh, Illyria, uh, in some danger here. And I had to, um, I had to get us to the school. Those were, those were necessary from here on out. This story gets a lot more organic, um, which is how I operate best with, without sort of like really, really tight constraints. Um, uh, but Hen is wondering sort of in general, uh, it's a good question, Hen. I appreciate it. Um, I am, I mean, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I have got some, um, I I caught up on my antidepressants, uh, which was very much a good move for me. Um, I probably should have done it much sooner, but, you know, better, better late than never. Um, I am really thankful because uh, California has some pretty solid public health care, unlike the states that I have uh, experienced in the past. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really thankful for that. Um, I am, I'm feeling much, much healthier so much healthier, um, than I have for like the last two years or so. Um, you know, the, the pandemic has been really tough for me because I'm very social. And so not being able to engage in that in the same way has been really hard. Uh, but I've been on these antidepressants for a couple of months now and just, uh, they're, they're working like a charm. So, uh, yeah, hen overall, pretty good, pretty good. Sanders says, try a country that's not the U.S. Healthcare is great here. Uh, Yeah, healthcare in the U.S. US has just become kind of a a pretty capitalist hellscape of um, insurance providers uh, charging more as, uh, uh, as doctors charge more, but then the doctors can charge more because the insurance covers it, right? So what's the big deal? Well, it... All, all of this money that the uh, the insurance providers and uh, healthcare providers are sort of throwing back and forth, it all comes from somewhere. And it's just sort of, uh, yeah, you know, we, we don't have necessarily people um, uh, immediately paying these massive, massive amounts of money. Uh, but over time, that is what it has become, is that uh, healthcare just kept charging more and more because insurance was covering it. And so insurance covered less and less and less. And now uh, those prices stay high, but the insurance providers aren't participating as they should have been. So I'm really thankful for public health care. Super, super thankful. Although, otherwise, I probably wouldn't have started a second campaign here. Um, I would still be spending a lot of time just, well, real messed up. I'll tell you all that much. Uh, let me see. Um, uh, We got some lore questions here. Um, Deathrave says, so as of right now, Igor has no idea what killed him, right? Does Illyria? Uh, and the answer is no, neither of them do. Um, but it's the sort of thing that, uh, we're going to be able to investigate because I believe we've already got it on there. Yep. Oh, wait, hold on. I think we've already got it on here somewhere. One of your vows is to avenge his own death. And so that is absolutely going to become part of that. Um, yeah, you're going to, uh, Igor is going to have some opportunities to like, as you as you reach some milestones there, um, as you hunt around for for clues in that regard, you're going to be able to find out more about that. Um, we also, even I, Sam, have not decided what it is that Igor is actually haunting, um, right? Because cause the haunting is tied to something, something that is integral to um, the sort of... Um, uh, what did we call it? The sort of, the, the ambiguous legacy. Um, some of the sort of deeper lore stuff here and I will I, I'll once again hold up a hand for, I guess this is spoilers even though it's really sort of just spoilers about deeper lore of the world that most characters in this world don't understand. Um, it's just a, a truth that we know but just as the audience. Um, the Grand Fable sort of uh, is, is the underlying force underneath everything. Um, and... It sort of, uh, uh, you are a ghost exists because their legacy is uncertain. And so, yeah, we will have to find out what part of your legacy is so uncertain that it would cause you to become a ghost. Hen says, don't worry, Sam. I started my murder mystery campaign, having the PCs break into the yacht where it happens, get caught, bend the bars of the prison, nearly get shot, sneak into the office of the captain, and finally get shown their case in return for being returned off the boat alive. I see. (laughs) I got you. That sounds, I mean, that sounds high octane. I'm really looking forward to running more, um, uh, yet more like, (sighs) I like, I kinda like running action. It's not something I thought that I would enjoy as much as I do, but I like it quite a bit. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting back into that. Um, this one, like it had a decent bit of it, but I, I also like it to sort of mean something significant. I like to be able to drop clues, but also um, provide answers to mysteries. But you know, early episodes are always tough. Um, it's much more about asking questions than it is about giving answers, and so I, I try to restrain myself and don't give too many answers, uh, provide more questions, and then eventually we'll we'll start to get around to answering things. Uh, DeathRave says, what do you mean by legacy exactly? Can you give it an example of a ghost who knows exactly why they are one, but not necessarily Igor? Um, so, for instance... Uh, Death Rave, if someone's legacy, if the sort of aggregate belief in the world about a specific person uh, is that they are a conqueror um, uh, of some sort, then they will sort of, their legacy goes down in the Grand Fable, um, uh, written by by a hand even more powerful than the Grey God. Um, You know, basically, it's almost that the Grand Fable sort of writes itself. It's not like there's a God in charge of this. It is deeper and more fundamental than God's. uh, the Grand Fable will, will take down the sort of legacy of that individual as a conqueror, right? People believe that they're a conqueror, so that is their, that is their legacy. But um, perhaps one side sees this individual as a conqueror, and then there's another large group who sees them as a coward. Um, then their, their legacy is kind of contested. It's unsure what precisely their legacy is. Maybe they were meant to do something important and they didn't quite accomplish it. Maybe that is part of their legacy, that there is sort of an understanding, there's a belief out there in the world that they were supposed to do something important, um, but they never managed it. Um, things like that. So basically, whatever their legacy is, you know, if, if um, let's see, if... Uh, like Alexander the the Great, for instance, has at this point a fairly established legacy. So in our world, Alexander the Great probably wouldn't be a ghost because we sort of understand what's what there is to know about them. Um, a Your average person on the street probably doesn't have a, a very disputed legacy. They've got a few people who know them pretty well, and those people are going to generally agree on what they know about the person. But... Let's see let, let's let's say for instance we've got like um well let's use the real world again uh if there was somebody who uh did you know maybe did a ton for the community uh but was also sort of like funneling a lot of money into uh into organized crime then a bunch of people know them as an organized criminal and then a bunch of people know them as a uh you know a real community member that that legacy is pretty disputed. So that person might well come back as a crime, as a crime, Uh, might well come back as a ghost. Or I should say stick around as a ghost. Hen says, I still remember that awesome battle where we had flying islands and the bees won, but that's for a different reason. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Some, some great, some great uh, battles we had over there. Um, And I think we're going to get into those more and more here as well. Um, It's been really light on that so far because a, we're a couple of kids. We're sort of starting to understand this, but um, you know, we haven't had any training. I I'm not carrying the weapon that I'm used to, you know, like I, I, I typically fight with a spear and I don't have a spear right now. Um, And uh, yeah, so I, I think uh, we're going to, we're going to get back into some some more organized action but right now it's just sort of like loosey-goosey difficult to difficult to parse sometimes death rave says man i have no idea what igors could be then i'll let you guys figure it out and ride with it <laughs> sounds good death rave. All right. Gang, thank you so much for sticking with me through I'm gonna be honest, that was a pretty hairy episode. That was uh that one was a little rough. Uh I thought it started out okay, but I, I think I need to do it has been very informative, I'll say that much. Uh very informative as to the sort of like the prep that needs to be in place before I begin. Um I've I've learned a ton about prep over time and uh, I will continue to learn about it as uh, I prep for different systems. You know, this one, the sort of like the balance of things is really different. Um, the way in which uh, partial successes and full successes kind of manifest here, it's not nearly as flexible as something like Uh, Dungeon World. Dungeon World is super like, yeah, basically something good happens, something bad happens, or something complicated happens somewhere in the middle. And um, that has been sort of a territory that I've kind of thrived in, is like setting my own uh, penalties for things, my own consequences. Uh, That is one of the foundations for the game that I'm writing called uh, Silver Bullet. Uh, If you want to find out more about Silver Bullet, I am posting my progress over on Patreon, and I've actually got another file that I'm going to be uploading there today. so if you want to know more about that, head over to Patreon, uh, just patreon.com slash Sidecar Stories. Um, but yeah, I think this is, this overall has been, uh, a good half and half start, but yeah, I'm, I'm learning the system of Iron Sworn. I'm getting to know it much better and, uh, yeah, basically, uh, the big thing that I'm finding is that when I need to, when, when I'm trying to sort of like move the story forward in interesting ways, sometimes I run up against something where it's like, yeah, you got a weak hit, but that means something very specific. And that specific thing does not include um, like advancing the story forward necessarily. Um, with a few of these specific moves. So I'm, I'm just getting used to which ones work in which ways. I'm going to get much better at it. Um, sort of figure out ways in which my style matches this system. And if we need to bend the system a little bit, I'm going to do that. Because that is how I tend to operate anyway. Um, uh, I think for all of you who are interested in playing games, do some work to try and understand the game as it's supposed to be played. Don't start from a position of of uh, uh, deciding to play it poorly. But A, you don't have to start by playing a system perfectly. You can go in and play it kind of wonky and then learn it over time. And then the second bit of advice I like to give is you never have to play the system perfectly. As long as you understand how it works, you can go in and uh, make some tweaks to make the game that is most fun for your table. And for us, um, I'm learning about how that works right now. Han uh, says, I would have joined today, but I've got a physics test tomorrow. Um, took five pages of the most condensed note possible. Ooh, boy. Hen, I wish you some good, good luck. Absolutely. Uh, Sandra says, for the positive or worst, interesting and enjoyable it will be. (laughs) For the positive or worst, interesting and enjoyable it will be. Ooh, you you threw me for a loop with some sort of borderline Yoda syntax there. Let's see. What's going on over here? Gems says, hi, everyone. Hello, Gems. How do you do? It's good to have you here. Um, folks, I thank you very much for joining me today. I hope you're having an excellent one. Um, let me know if you have got any other questions here about uh, about what we've done. Um, this uh, we, We've got two vows for Igor. Um, one to uh, case the crossroads town before the Wild Stallions return, and one that I imagine Igor is going to be sort of developing over time, but we know it's sort of an underlying part of the character, to avenge his own death. Meanwhile, Illyria... Um, has got, uh, got some, got some sort of, uh, some vows as well. Return to Brackwater, ready to settle down. I think, uh, oh, did we, I can't remember what happened with this. I want to say we were supposed to mark some, uh, mark some progress in this, but that's okay. Um, the wild stallions want me to bring something into town for them. Uh, it's a, it's a locked chest and that's actually still back in town. I didn't bring that with me necessarily. Um, I probably would have hidden it because it would have been too heavy to just sort of like carry around. Uh, But then I also am, I've got a vow to discover the truth of the underbrush. The underbrush being this mysterious character who has been following Illyria uh, through, uh, uh, through their journeys. And that's where we find ourselves. Everyone. Thank you so much for hanging out today. Um, I hope you have an excellent week. Uh, I will see you tomorrow for The Hunger Games at 4 p.m. Pacific time, or I will see you next week on Wednesday. Uh, Ooh, excuse me. No, next week is going to be a big shakeup. So just y'all be be forewarned. It is on Wednesdays in general, but be forewarned. Uh, Big shakeup next week. Uh, Have a great one, Hen. I will see you later. Um... (laughs) It was, I mean, it's a, it like a smaller than an average chest sander, but like even, you know, even a chest about this big is like, it's, 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 you'd be lugging it around. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll, I'll just, I'll probably just make a luck check to figure out whether or not I brought it with me. Um, or if I hit it, uh, death rave thank, thank you so much for joining me. Sander. Have a good one. Hen. Have a good one. Gems. I'll see you later, everybody. I hope you have a fantastic day. Um, My name, once again, is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. Uh, Tuesdays, we're going to be coming back uh, once my schedule sort of frees up. I've got a few RPG things I want to do before I fully commit to Tuesdays again. Wednesdays, we have got Side Cannons, the tabletop RPG wing of Sidecar Stories. That is what we're doing here. And uh, you can find this here noon Pacific time on Wednesdays. And then, of course, Thursdays are Flying Sidecar, a voice actor's venture through some stories that we all love. Reading The Hunger Games right now, 4 p.m. Pacific time on Thursdays. Everyone... I love y'all. I will see you later. Thank you very much for joining me. Bye-bye.